Welcome to Beit Bereshit, House of New Beginnings, located at 11510 Old St. Charles Road, Bridgeton, Missouri, 63044. Now join us as we partake of Hashem's Word. Shabbat Shalom. This Torah portion is Shalak. You'll turn over to Numbers 13.1. We will begin there. Numbers 13.1. And Father, as we partake of your word, give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge that we may be able to apply it to our lives daily. In Yeshua's name. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, and every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were headed of the people of Israel. And if you'll go down to verse number 25. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregations of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and all of the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwelled in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwelled in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwelled by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw, it, is, it are of great height. And, they, and there we saw the Nephilim, the son of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. You may be seated. Father, we ask again, what we do not know, teach us. What we do not have, give us. And what we are not, make us. This week's reading focuses on the 12 spies sent out by Moses at the command of the Lord to spy out the land of Canaan soon after Israel left Mount Sinai. It relates the different reports which they brought back. And it's interesting that the father sent leaders to go into the land, to spy out the land, to see if there will be walled up cities, if they were strong, if they were weak. And, in, and I, wanna, I want you to write this down. The question is, what report will you get? Because the truth of the matter, you're the spies who are sent out into the land. Now, remember back in that time when Israel, he sent out 10 spies, but the father has called us to be priests and kings. Is that not right? Yeah. Come on. Do you believe that? Yeah. 
So now I want you to think about this. When, when we talk about the land, I don't want you to think that you're going to spy out the land outside, but look at the land within you live. Because we say here, there's a physical land of Israel, yes? But the Lord is trying to inhabit this land in which we dwell. So before we can go dwell in the land, you've got to inhabit this land. So the question is, what is your report of your land? Are there giants in your land? Are there pride in your land? Is there rebellion? Is there fear and doubt? Do you see your land as being overcome by all the inhabitants? And you're still going, God, are you able to deliver me from all of this? I mean, can you truly set me free from what I see in my own life? I mean, if we will be real and take off the mask and stop playing games and look at ourselves, we'll be saying, Father, if you can't do it, I can't do it. It only can be you. In this portion, we see a picture of true leadership and a picture of leaders not to follow. Let's look at the criteria to be chosen. In Exodus, 21, Exodus 18, 21 through 26 says that they must be men of light. They must be able men, men who fear Elohim, men of truth, hating unfair gain. The second thing is they must be men who fear Yahweh with reverence and respect and admiration. They must be willing to give their lives totally to Yahweh and not be concerned about the things of the world. The third thing is they must be men of truth. They must trust in the word of God with all their might, with all their soul. They must be willing to die to everything that the world will want to use to bribe them. And then the fourth thing says that they must be men who hate unfair gain. That means in Exodus 23, 8, it says it this way. It says the bribe blinds the eye of the priest. So if we are the priest of the Lord, yes, yes. come on. Yes. If you are the priest of the Lord, then if you receive a bribe, it blinds your eyes from speaking truth. Now, what is a bribe? It's simply if someone comes to you and say, oh, look how awesome you did today. Or look at this. Look how great, how great your abilities are. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you begin to feed upon this. And all of a sudden, just a little seed will cross your mind and make you think, you know what? I did do good today. Maybe you guys have never been there, but let me talk to this side of the room because it only takes a little seed of pride to make us think we're something. I mean, the truth of the matter, if we will look at ourselves, some of us are, mo are more Torah terrorists than anything else in the world. And it's because of our pride, it makes us think we get the, I say we get the Jonah complex. So when Yahweh says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to speak life, Jonah's like, no, no, no. Come on, you know, you're long-suffering, you're merciful, you're going to forgive. Why go there when I can go somewhere else? Right. And all of a sudden, forget the calling that he's placed in our life for his kingdom. It's all about his kingdom. True leaders are called, but few are chosen. Numbers 13, 4 through 14. True leaders will intercede for God's people. Numbers 14, 13 through 19. Do you remember Moses? After the spies came back with a negative report, what did he do? And, and Yahweh had a right to want to destroy. At this time, it was 10 times they had tried and tested the king. Isn't it amazing that there were 10 spies who gave the negative reports? And there was 10 testings that happened that they all went away and totally failed against Yahweh? True leaders 
will encourage you to take the land. Numbers 14, 8 through 9. And it begins with how you view the land. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Can you repeat that with me? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, what does that mean? Simply, whatever you speak out of your life, out of your mouth, comes back to you. So in every situation that you face and everything that you go through, you have an opportunity to speak either life or death. Amen. And it's interesting as I was preparing for this portion and, and uh, getting ready Friday to spend my time with the Lord, which I normally do. I get up and I'll spend time with the Lord. All of a sudden I, I walk outside and I'm going to show you the mercies of the Lord. I walk outside and I look down at the tire and I'm seeing the tread on the tire showing. I'm, not, I'm talking the white tread. So, and I'm like, wow, Father, thank you for your mercy because I could have jumped in the car took off as I normally do, tire blew up, and you know. But instead, we had to go and begin to change a tire. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I opened the back of my truck and began to look for my tools, and I didn't find a jack. I found a crowbar to undo the nuts, but it was the wrong size. And so I, I began to call, uh, I called, Gwen called the net and asked if we can borrow a jack, and so they brought us a jack by, but I was missing, there's a long bar that you need to be able to crank down the tire. You know what I'm talking about? You guys got vehicles, yes? Okay. And so as I'm going through this, I don't have the right tools. So I have to call Rabbi, and I'm like, Rabbi, can you uh, come over to my house? I've got a tire that's going to blow up. And so we finally got working on this thing, and I'm telling you, it took all of three hours to change a tire, which doesn't take three hours to change a tire. <laughs> So as we're changing this tire, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, Rabbi says, it's going to be okay. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's going to be okay. This is not too great for you. And, and I could have started, you know, speaking death. I could have started speaking death and be speaking death over my sons and all this stuff. But instead, I just said, you know what? Abba, this is not too great for you. This is not too big that you can't fix, that you can't deal with. So that's why I said when we look at the Torah portion, we need to look at how it applies to us today. If not, we'll miss what the Father is saying. Because if you don't understand that you're the land. Oh, by the way, in case you don't say you have giants in your land, if you look in the mirror, you'll see giants in your land. Now, the truth is, what are you going to speak over your land? Is that land blessed or is that land cursed? Is that land following the instructions or is that land doing what it pleases to do? So that's where we have to start be beginning to profess. See, it says this, what you profess out of your mouth will bring blessings on you and all those around you. Or what you profess out of your mouth will bring curses on you and all those around you. Numbers 13, 31 to 33. Again, we are the sent ones, sent out into the land, sent out into the world. And how you see St. Louis, how you see the surrounding areas of St. Louis, you can either speak life or you can speak death. Amen. Look at the situation we had here in St. Louis where there were leaders who got caught up in what was going on. 
with what their eyes saw, with what their ears heard. And instead of going in and speaking life, what did they do? They joined in and began to bring the negative report. Now, if you don't see this spiritually, there was something that was released started here in St. Louis that spread it from here, that went straight to New York, that went straight over to, to Los Angeles, and now has begun to spread throughout this whole world. This whole issue of race, this whole issue of life and death. What are you going to speak in the situations you face? What will you declare? Will you declare that Yahweh is sovereign? Will you declare that he is greater than everything we face? Or will we get caught up in the mess and be just like the spies and all of a sudden begin to speak death? How is your land? Is there unforgiveness in your land? Is there lust? Is there fear? Is there doubt? Is there unbelief? But we must believe, just like how Yahweh delivered Israel out of Egypt, that he is the only one that can deliver us from the giants that we will face. See, I want you to think about it this way. One of the things about the spies that is really interesting is, remember, they were leaders. So he didn't just pick anybody to go spy out the land. He went out of his way to pick men of renown that would go in and know what the word of Yahweh was. That, so they, that means they would have had the spirit that was upon Moses. That means when they walked into this land, they knew you can speak life and death and begin to declare this is ours. And instead, they came back to the camp. And what did they do? Instead of going to Moses, which I thought was interesting, they went directly to the people. And begin to speak death. And all of a sudden, to the point that the whole house of Israel decided to say, you know what? There was, it was better back in Egypt. You remember that? Amen. Think about it. How many times have we said that? It was better back in Egypt. Why do you have me here, Lord? What is the purpose of me being here? I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. You know, maybe I'm talking to myself because I know I've asked Abba. I said, so, Father, what are we doing here now? Isn't our time up? Is it, is it time to move back to Florida? Can we leave? Can we go? And God's like, we haven't begun. We just started the journey. Hallelujah. Now ask yourself, how could this ten spies have got it so wrong? They saw that the land was flowing with milk and honey. They said, but conquering it was impossible, even though they knew that Yahweh was the one and true God of all the earth. Amen. Now think about that for a moment. So they see his miracles and how he delivered Israel out of Egypt, how he dealt with all the false gods in that land. And yet when they went into this land, all of a sudden they were terrified and their hearts were fearful. But I want you to see this. Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho, tells the spies sent by Joshua a generation later. A generation later. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage fell because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Joshua 2, 10 through 11. Now, isn't, it, isn't it amazing 
that while Israel was seeing themselves as grasshoppers, the nations were seeing them as kings. The nations were seeing them as rulers. Now think about that for a moment. How many times in our life do we belittle ourselves and the nations see us as God's people? The nations see us as overcomers, as warriors, and yet we forget who we are. Write this down. People will always perceive you exactly how you perceive yourself. Did you hear that? People will always perceive you exactly how you perceive yourself. So if you see yourself as small, people will see you as small. If you see yourself as a giant killer, people will see you as a giant killer. If you see yourself as an overcomer, people will see you as an overcomer. See, we got to understand, we were called to be a priest to the nations. That was the purpose of Israel. They were called to be a light to the nations, that the nations would know that there is greater, that there is a greater kingdom than what they're serving. But if we don't see this and we keep seeing ourselves as being with no power, no life, or if we keep acting like the world and want to entertain the world so that the world sees us as them, then all of a sudden they'll see that we have no power, no life, no source, no strength. Now I want to show you another interpretation of this passage in Numbers. The sages shows us an entirely different line of interpretation. It says that they were all, the spies were well-intentioned. They had good intentions. Because remember, they were leaders. So they would have knew the will of the king. They were all princes and chieftains and leaders. They did not doubt that Israel could win its battles with the inhabitants of the land. They did not fear failure. They feared success. Their concern was not physical, but spiritual. And I want you to think about it. Could it be that they did not want to mature? Because think about it. Why they were in the desert. They had Yahweh so close to them, right? He was a cloud by day, a fire by night. And if they went the wrong way, he was there to speak, to deal with immediately. But they knew once they had to step into the land, now they had to mature. Did you get that? So now that you are having to step into your land and deal with the giants. Now, if you go and you look further down, as they begin to deal with the giants, they had to go to war. So no longer could they just simply sit there and say, Yahweh, Yahweh. He was like, no, put your hands to the battle. Let's go to war. I want you to deal with these giants, and I want you to overcome them one at a time. So now they will become a footstool for the king. So every time you face a giant in your land, it's to make it a footstool for the Messiah. So that now that it becomes a footstool so you can help others be set free. Numbers 14, 24 said it this way. But because my spirit, because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So when the sages say that this was a spiritual issue, not just a physical one, see it this way, that perhaps the spirit that they had on them They weren't ready to mature. And Abba was saying, it's time to mature. 
because believe it or not, he's doing that with the entire body of Messiah. He's pushing us forward to a place of maturity. No longer is he allowing us to stay at home, keep Shabbat by yourself. No, he's saying we got to gather. We got to keep this. We've got to live this. This cannot just be anymore where we just say it with our lips and our actions don't match. But he's challenging us so that our actions will match what we declare so that we will truly be found people of God, sold out to him. The purpose of the plagues in Egypt was to show Israel and the world that Yahweh was the only true God in all of the earth. And ten times they tested his his faithfulness and fell. Write this down. It is in the desert that you learn how to prepare for your destination. Did you hear that? It is in the desert that you learn how to prepare for your destination. Did he not take Israel into the wilderness to show them what was in their hearts? Did he not take them to all these encampments to show them, to test them, to help them to mature, to finally a whole generation? Now, I want you to see this. Can you see yourself finally making it to the door? And you can see the promise. And all of a sudden, get to the door. And because of unbelief, you can't go in. I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, Father, I, I haven't gone through all that I've gone through to want to get to the door to fail. I mean, look at the life of Moses, who did all that he did, got to the door, and he cried out to Yahweh and said, hey, is there, is there any other way? Can I just slip in? Maybe the back door. And Abba said, no more of this. And he did not make it in to the promise. But let us be people who have a heart that want to succeed. Not fail, but make it into the land. First, dealing with this land. Overcoming the giants in this land. And now if I overcome the giants in this land, I can begin to take this land outside the door. And then I can see a prostitute. I can see somebody in drugs. I can see somebody who's homeless and begin to speak life. And not speak my, dog, my, my doctrine or what I think, but what the Father speaks over their lives. And now we can begin to change people's lives. What you're going through today is for a purpose. It is to mature us for his kingdom, not for ours. We must believe that Yahweh is able to conquer any giants that we have in our life. We know that he's God. But the question is, do we know that he can deliver? Do we really believe that he can deliver? Because that was the test for Israel. They knew that he was the king of all the earth. But did they have the faith to believe that he was able to deliver them from what they were getting ready to face in the land? How do we change? Number one, we ask Elohim to change our hearts. Remembers Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquities and transgressions, but by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. So we can start by saying, Father, change my heart, change my life. Cause my view to change so that I don't bring a curse on me and my children. We must ask him to forgive us for not trusting his ability to deliver us. This requires faith. And there are different levels of faith that we must attain. Let's look at it. Let's take a step and look at these, this faith that we must attain. 
First is confidence, to totally put my trust in him alone, to be willing to lie faith down and say, Yahweh, it is you alone, nobody else that can deliver me. Psalms 25.3, neither shall any who hope in you be ashamed. The second thing in my faith, I must have loyalty to my king, a strong feeling of support or allegiance. The question is, who is our allegiance to today? Is it truly to the king or is it to this world? Will we be like the three Hebrew boys in Daniel 3, Shadrach and Meshach, when they said, king, doesn't matter. If he don't deliver, you know what? I will not serve you. I will only follow Yahweh. Would that kind of faith and loyalty be found in us that we can declare? The third thing is honesty, straightness, evenness of path, moral implications. Will we live a holy life? Will we be set apart for his kingdom? With all that is grabbing and calling us, with all the darts that are being shot at us, are we willing to be found people who will be honest to him and walk the path of life? Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? So where does the battle begin? Come on, where does the battle begin? Come on, Israel, where does the battle begin? In the mind. So when you walk out this door on Shabbat, thank you, Abba, and all of a sudden you get to the light and your mind begins to wonder, will you take authority of the giants in the land? Or will you just hear this message and say, oh, that was great, but I don't deal with that. That's not me. Or we, we play the game and say, you know, well, that guy, whatever, that guy, whatever. That's not for me because I'm, you know, I dob it three times a day. I'm doing all the things that I need to do. And yet still I have no relationship. I have no intimacy. I'm bitter towards my wife and kids. I speak death out of my mouth. See, the father has really brought this home for me because he says, Jimmy, it's not about what you say. You can say all you want to, but it's about how you live. And you want to know how you live? When you get up in the morning and you look at your wife, when you get up in the morning and you deal with your sons and daughters, what do you declare? Will it be life or will it be death? Now think about this. Because there were 12 leaders that were called out, those leaders caused the whole generation. A whole generation. 600,000 people to die in the desert. I mean, think, take that to heart for a second because we're all leaders. Before we get caught up in this, we're talking about one man. No, you're, you've been called out Hello. by Yahweh. You've been set apart for his kingdom. Amen. So the people that he brings into your influence, how you profess, what you declare, will bring them into life or bring them into death. Amen. And it acts out in our life every day. The fourth thing is fidelity, steadfastness of thy time. Are you willing to give Yahweh your time? Are you willing to give him your all? Because here in this, in, in this world today, we're caught up with Facebook and Xbox and you name this and that. And all these things are jogging for our time. Going to the gym, being in ministry, doing this, doing this, and saying it's all kingdom. And really, it's all about your kingdom. And the father saying, will you be faithful with your time? Would you give me your time? We must remember that it is the Lord who provides in Exodus 3, 17. And I promise that I will bring you up 
out of the afflictions of the Egyptians, to the land of the Canaanites, to the Hittites, to the Amorites, to the Perizzites, to the Hivites, and to the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Did he not do that? He took them to the door. He showed them, it's, all, it's right there. All you have to do is come in. We must ask Abba to heal us of our unbelief that he can heal the land. And even though we see the world looks like it's falling apart and that chaos is happening here and there, but the truth of the matter, even in that situation, we can begin to declare life that Yahweh is on the throne, that Yahweh has the right president, has the president of the United States, that he's pushing Israel to awaken from our slumber, as he's always done, he's taken something from the east, the east wind, and began to blow on those who would not awaken. Look at Jonah. He's in a boat, and the scripture says he sends an east wind to awaken and cause it to be chaotic, that the people around him said, what are you sleeping for? They had to go and wake him up. Get this. The nations had to go, hey, man, what are you doing? We're over here praying. Why aren't you helping us? And he's like, no, it's me. I'm the problem. So the father is doing what he wants to do in the world. But we must see it from his eyesight, not from ours. We must declare what he says over the world. Because the time is running near. He's causing this thing to come to an end. And I don't know about you, but my heart is to make it to the land. I've always told my sons, I said, you know, all I want to do is to stand before Yeshua and worship him. Right there in Israel. That's it. You guys will do what you want to. That's all I want to do. We must remember Yahweh is greater than the giants we will face. Isaiah 41.13 says it this way. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. You're not alone. We're not alone. He's going to help us through. We must remember it's not our strength, but his strength through us. Do you get that? It is not our strength, but his strength through us. Thank you for joining us today at Faith Bereshit. We look forward to seeing you at one of our services. Our service times are Thursday nights, 7 p.m. Bible study, Saturday Bible study at 10 a.m., and Shabbat service at 11 a.m. May Yahweh richly bless you as you continue to stay in his word.